everyone. I'm Mari Forth. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can get this fine program along with all the other fantastic reality TV content by subscribing to robhasawebsite.com slash feed. That's robhasawebsite.com slash R-H-A-P-U-P-S feed. We would love it if you would also subscribe to our dedicated feed. That is robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays. If you've already subscribed, thank you very much. And Murray, what did we watch this week? This week, we watched The Curious Case of Natalia Grace on ID Discovery. You can watch it on streaming at uh, Discovery Plus. Max and Hulu. So, mm. so you're guaranteed to find it somewhere. <laughs> all um, Natalia, all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and joining us is a 13 year old bassoon prodigy, an Olympic bronze medalist, and best in show, Sarah D. Bunting, SDB. Hello. 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 <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, even, I, I feel like I've lost count. Six. We, we, Six? Okay, yeah, you're just the official third now. That's all it is. We're Love just gonna, it. We're Love just going to keep going. Yeah, we're I'm gonna not get even going to T-shirts made. Yes, a jacket <laughs> with embroidery. <Love> yep. <laughs> okay, we have a lot, a lot, a lot to get into. Oof, so sure do. I, I want to say right now, up front, up top, go and watch this. I, I'm just going to say it. Go and watch it, then come back and listen to us because... We have a lot to talk about, and I think it'll work better if you watch the six-part series. I can't believe that I am telling people to go watch a six-part series. Do you have a fever? I know. (laughs) Well, you know, the air quality is really bad up here. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) But let's get to the crime so we can get into the property. Michael and Christine Barnett believed that they had adopted a six-year-old Ukrainian orphan with dwarfism uh, named Natalia Grace in 2010. But with the discovery of pubic hair, signs of menstruation, (laughs) along with her apparent physical maturity and more extensive vocabulary skills than any other six-year-old, the Barnetts began to believe that she was much older. Over the next two years, they say she threatened their lives and the lives of their three sons. In 2012, they successfully petitioned an Indiana court to legally change her age from age eight to 22, despite a skeletal survey done by a local children's hospital, which concluded that she was around 11. Uh, They then moved her into an apartment on her own. The case fascinated the public with its parallels to the movie Orphan, which had come out one year prior in 2009. In 2019, Michael was charged with neglect of a dependent. At his trial, the jury was not allowed to hear that Natalia may have still been a child. Nonetheless, they believed that Michael was guilty, but felt that under the law, they had to find him not guilty. In March this year, the case against Christine Barnett was dismissed just less than three weeks before her trial was set to start. The county prosecutor cited insufficient evidence. 
Natalia has now been living with Anton and Cynthia Manns and their children for almost 10 years, and they believe she is 19 years old. ID has greenlit a follow-up documentary, which it it says features exclusive bombshell revelations from Natalia, and this new documentary is set to air later in the northern summer. Okay. That's a lot. It's it is a lot. Everything is a lot. When before it comes to we the before we launch, I just wanted to hop in and say when I was on a jury, we all believed that the person on trial was guilty mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. Right. But we also returned a not guilty verdict. So it was personally very uh, you know, upsetting and interesting to when we got to the foreman. That is a long way, that is episodes away from where we're starting. But mm-hmm. uh this yeah, this caused some interesting thoughts and feelings in me, particularly Michael's triumph at being exonerated. I thought, mm, not quite. But Mari, you're in charge. Yeah. Lead us. I mean, I, I'm like, where do we start? Let's let's get just some overall thoughts about this six part documentary, which the ID Discovery Channel they unfolded over the course of like three days. They 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 uh, sent out like two episodes a day over the course of uh, like I said three days. Uh, they made a, a a week of it really. And when I tell you, I was online and it was just like the chatter about this docu series is a myth. And I don't blame people because I think the way that they released this was just perfect. SDB, what is your overall thoughts of the docuseries? Um, it's way too long. Um, mm. And yet I can't, I mean, I, I think it was built incorrectly. I think they really? didn't necessarily know where their stories were. And yet I don't disagree with you. I think people should watch this so that we can all talk about it and decide mm-hmm. what the buckshot LaFunk we think is going on <laughs> in like 58 different situations, starting with Michael Barnett, who is like just the fact that he has obviously been living for these moments, even though he could yeah. go to jail for a gazillion years, this, and I went to girl school for 12 years. This is the biggest drama queen I ever saw in my life. He's insane. <laughs> yes. Here's, here's another crazy thing. Like, despite the fact that this is not terribly, um, well, I mean, it's like, it's made fine. It's just very average modular investigation discovery product. The joints on it are very obvious, like trying to get you to flip over to the next episode and keep marathoning it. Like it's it's very obvious. It's effective, but it's obvious. But Uh this is like these Murdoch properties, like part of it is just that the case is so bonkers that like, Uh of course, you're going to keep watching it. It almost doesn't matter how amateurish or not the build is. But the. Like you realize you're being manipulated, but the case is so crazy that you just keep following these breadcrumbs. And then you get to the end expecting to find like an actual loaf of bread information. I lost mm-hmm. control of this metaphor, AMA. But like, <laughs> then you still really don't know anything more than you did at the beginning because no one does, because there are like fundamentally unknowable things mm-hmm. at the center of this case that like, I mean, I almost admire the the balls on this production company, like six 42 minute episodes. And at the end of it, it's like, so how goddamn old is she? 
We don't know. So for me, I definitely think that like I, I felt like they did a good job with the the sizzle reel, the sizzle trailer at the beginning. I know Sarah is like, you know, on the not about how she. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not fan. usually a fan of those either. No like fans. I'm already watching it. Stop yes. telling me. But yes. exactly. But, but they, they I'll, give this a, I'll give it a pass in this case. I yeah. think they set it up well because I think it prepared me for them to try and present both cases. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think that they did a very good job. Like, like SDB said, it's like you feel like you're being manipulated. Maybe those first two episodes or so, because you're just getting the one side from the father. Michael, the father is sitting straight camera um, talking about the experiences with Natalia. And we'll, we'll get through what, what each episode does and then you you feel the turn they do the like the slow turn and then by like the last few episodes you're like oh my god is it their fault is it i think they did a great job surprisingly over the course of six episodes and i actually like the roller coaster of it all because once i finished the six episodes i went back and watched it again and on the replay it 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 on a re sorry on a rewatch it's actually like kind of phenomenal because on the rewatch i'm like i i definitely don't believe you anymore you know what i'm saying like it was kind of like it was kind of like looking at something with like a fresh set of eyes to me sarah what did you think well i i'm intrigued that sarah used the word amateurish because i think it's perfect there's no uh (laughs) producer or director um credited you know anyway it's it's a it's an in-house made object property mm-hmm. and yet yeah. even for that i think it's really good and i think people should watch it i mean i went to see an amateur production of sweeney todd you know the material <laughs> the material is there such that you know you can do a pretty decent job and i think they did a pretty decent job maybe I amateurish just, was not the right word well maybe yes, sort of um un like uncreative unsophisticated or unsophisticated un- there yeah. it is yeah, yeah. So as soon as Michael appeared on the screen, I, I disliked him on site. I was actually really? mm-hmm. repulsed by him. <laughs> and I kept thinking, you know, if what he says is true, which I had at that point no reason to believe wasn't, mm-hmm. because I knew the headlines but I didn't know the story. Right. I thought, my God, if you had been through this, you would be this. You would be like this. You would be so desperate to have people believe you. You would be <laughs> acting out all the parts. You would be trying to control the narrative. Uh, so when there was the um, heel turn to say that perhaps what he was saying might not be true, it wasn't a surprise to me. Uh, there's, a, there's a diagnosis for someone. I think it's Michael. Uh, you know, mm, They yeah. were very lucky that Jacob, the son, the oldest son of Christian and Michael, Jacob, who they tell us, and we have no reason to believe, is uh, has Asperger's. He has agreed to be in this documentary, mm-hmm. and he is the only one I completely trust. Exactly. But even he has been manipulated by his by his parents. Exactly. And there's a very interesting moment, which I'm sure you'll get to, Mari, where he has a hot mic. And I at first thought, oh, no, poor Jacob. And then I thought, now, Jacob's actually really smart. I wonder, mm-hmm. I just, I had a, that was my only thing. I thought, I wonder if Jacob left that mic on deliberately, but we'll get to that. So yeah. Jacob was somewhere I could rest my eyes and my heart and my mind and think, yes, whatever you tell me is the truth, is some part of the truth. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but wow, some of the talking heads are wild. Yeah, it's worth wild. watching it. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. So, to hear a but, lawyer get very annoyed that that uh, somebody might suggest that they weren't after the truth, and it's like, <laughs> can everybody just take their egos down <laughs> several notches, except yeah. Jacob? I mean, yeah, there's I wanna... plenty of like compelling material in here that is a little yes. bit unusual and sort of like um, off label for this kind of thing that there mm-hmm. were several times that I was like, ah, because you wouldn't expect to find this sort of thing in this sort of property. Not more just polished because, version, maybe. Yeah, not it. just because yeah. uh, it's investigation discovery, but also because I think everybody post the jinx knows better than to let themselves get the jinxed and then it happened and then they have access to all this material not to get ahead of where uh, mari's going to be in the story but it's like you know they must have looked at michael and been like he's a lunatic but he's also a gold mine mm-hmm. for a project like this and then to have he just keeps giving them these moments which are 100 percent cringe like he's mm-hmm. eating popcorn and weeping and Jacob is just standing there like <laughs> poor Jacob. Eh, I mean, poor, poor Jacob, Jacob, seriously. Eh. And then he's like, do I put the popcorn down? I don't really <laughs> want to do that. I should give him a hug. Like it was so relatable. Yes. But uh, there are there are a lot of interesting things that you don't necessarily see. I'm still I'm still not convinced that this is the right build or the right length or that they couldn't have done it in two hours or four. Mm-hmm. But they do. Like there's so much material also that I have to give them credit for. Like they picked the way that they thought they could marshal all of these different versions of a truth we will never know. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they stuck to it. And yeah. it was fairly effectual, at least. Yes. And again, I think the rollout really does did do it some justice. The doing two episodes a day, like me and my family, we were in front of the TV like three days straight (laughs) waiting for the next episodes and then when I went back and watched it again I watched it full-on straight binge style which worked because I already knew what was coming so I I think they did a very and ID does this all the time they 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 do stuff like this all the time they I remember the Jodi Arias thing got like a three-night premiere Mm -hmm. rollout too you know what I'm saying so they're they're smart when it comes to stuff like this so but I, I thought it was great. So we're going to kind of like break down each episode. Again, we're not going to go too in depth, but we're going to tell you what the ep- the essence of what each episode was. Because I think the ep- episode flow was was intentional by um, the production team. So the first episode, I am, I'm pretty sure it's called Meet the Barnetts. It's literally just us. This is where we're introduced to Michael. This is where we're introduced to Jacob. Um, I, I think this is the one episode that I was like, okay, it's laying the groundwork. Like, look at this family. They're so happy. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, Michael's telling us how they're, they're, they're living in Indiana. They have three boys. They're, they're well off enough. Uh, He has a sports car and they kind of want, they, they wanted to, you know, uh, make their family a little bit bigger and they, they had the space for it. And, you know, at the same time, they're telling us that Jacob, um, ha- got the Asperger's uh, diagnosis, but also then started 
displaying a genius level of intelligence when it comes to like physics. So he was like, I love seeing all the stuff about Jacob here. Like he was, he was doing Ted talks at 12. He was getting um, like his, he was getting his bachelor's degree at 12, master's degree at 15, stuff like that, like, or 14. And uh, Christine was the, the, the mom who was like, Oh, it doesn't matter if my kid has Asperger's. She, he's the genius, and she wrote a book, and it was it's very like, very it felt like a facade to me. But I did like, like even I'm trying to put myself back into the first watch, and I was like, okay, all right, happy family, sure, why not? You know, you know what I'm saying. Um, and then they get into the adoption. What did we think about the Barnetts here in this just introduction episode? Did did you guys, I think you guys said Michael came off a little fishy um, immediately, SDB? Yeah, from the okay. jump. That it yeah. was just like, I mean, you watch enough of this genre and mm-hmm. you become accustomed to sort of like whatever civilians who get swept up in whatever case is being presented. Um, sounding a little canned and rehearsed, mm-hmm. like everybody has the Dateline bingo, her smile lit up a room thing. Yes. Okay. But nobody has ever talked about their own lives like this in this, like I am um, test, I'm like beta testing my own one man show on yes. true crime. Yes. Oh, like, oh my yeah. God. Hey, community theater, bring it down to like a four. But um, <laughs> he he was like just weird, but also like you're just not used to seeing that type of like that it's that rehearsed on mm-hmm. this kind of show. And then this is also a hallmark of the show is that like you're in one, you're in the car of one set of crimes, but you keep passing turnoffs for other crimes that could also be documentaries. <laughs> yes. Starting with this sketch balloons adoption agency that's like rushing them through the paperwork it was practically a Mm drive-through experience they were like locked in a room and not allowed to talk to anybody else while they're signing all this paperwork like yeah that is a book right there was Mm -hmm. these people but then you're like still on the road towards like the main set of crimes so again like yeah this is why i recommend it even though good is not exactly the axis that we're using like it it is just like pringles it's not even the lane lane where like we're not even in the house of good we're somewhere out in the field but 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 it's it's endlessly watchable did you notice that like bringing up the adoption thing he was like we went to the sketchy adoption place and they would cut to the a picture of the adoption place and i'm like that's not that sketchy i felt like they were like setting up really well they did a really good job of michael would say something michael's laying out the story cut to jacob what did jacob say about the story what did you (laughs) think about about this uh production aspect sarah and and did it do you think it was kind of like I felt like it was kind of like breadcrumbing you to be, to be like, hey, maybe don't necessarily believe everything that's coming out of Michael's mouth. I think that she did very well to say believe him. Mm-hmm. It's just that Michael is so. I mean, rehearsed isn't the word. He is so repellent <laughs> and so obviously crafting a narrative that I had to struggle with my compassion. Which is uh, for a man who, if what he says is true, mm-hmm. has been through the most horrendous 
uh, thing that you could imagine. Not the most horrendous. Let's yeah. not compare it. A horrendous experience. But I think that the dispassionate eye of the production team, let's call them, was was quite well done. Again, not good, but very, very watchable. And you have thoughts, thoughts like apparently they were peering through a keyhole as Natalia Grace arrived. Right. And they saw the, according to the recreation, they saw the wastes of the two people dropping her off. They seemed to drop mm-hmm. and run. Who are they? What's their story? Obviously not interested in talking to ID at all. This idea that they have 24 hours to decide. Uh, you could always tell a scam, everybody, if someone phones you and mm-hmm. says it has to be done right. quickly, it's a, it's a scam. So they presented themselves as these very, this very successful families. You say, Murray, and there were four cars in the drive, and he continues to have his Lamborghini even when it doesn't work. But I right. did notice in episode six he still had a sports car. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a facade level that can't be disguised. Right. Um, Christine writing the book called Spark about her child. You think, well, if you had a genius child, why shouldn't you do it? Mm-hmm. But I think they drop ideas like when we see photographs of the family, the two younger boys' faces are blurred and Jacob's is not. So I thought, ah, we're going to hear from Jacob, and indeed we did. Yeah. We don't find out that they're divorced in this episode, but we start to gather it. So, again, there's mm-hmm. a cleverness to this stitching together that the production team has done that I can't help it but, but admire. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I Again, on re-watching it the second time, because like you said, going into this, I only heard the headline. Like, she's 30. She was masquerading as a kid. And that was literally all of the headlines in 2019. I really was like, as I was watching, I was like, I feel like I've heard a podcast about this. So I actually went into my podcaster and realized I, I listened to the My Favorite Murder episode about it. And I was like, yes, I do remember this. I actually re-listened to it. And I'll talk about the, the further listening, uh, further properties and other later. But it really was so shallow that even the media just only took one story and ran with it. So on that first watch, I was like, like everybody else, like, okay. So I was believing she was like the orphan. And as stuff started to unravel, I was like, oh my gosh, that must've been scary for the family. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, as things go along, you get a different perspective. So episode one continues. Um, they, they they get Natalia as somebody who whose family went through adoption. This is nothing like what a, adoption. Twenty four hours. You gotta <laughs> say yes. You don't meet them beforehand. That is. It took us years to finalize the adoption of my brother. So it was just I could not believe that. Yeah, it's um, not a car. Like I don't right. Like <laughs> and I that don't, they're both like, oh, I'm sure that's fine. Like they must have known that it was not fine, but they were oh, willing they knew. to take Dodge, that chance because yeah. who knows why? Shady yeah. from the start, and I think that's mm-hmm. why. That's why. That's what they wanted us to feel that it was shady from the start. Which means maybe if this jumping part is shady, then maybe everything else. Well, is shady, shady on behalf of the adoption agency, but also shady exactly. on behalf of Barnett. Yes. Like, you know, this is shady and you're going right. ahead. And you're going and with there it. Are, as you say, Sarah, it's a perfect metaphor. We're driving along this highway, but there are these turnoffs. And one of them is the shadiness of the adoption on behalf of the Barnetts. We never quite know why they wanted her so badly, why they went into this shadery with 
eyes open, mm-hmm. but it's referred to throughout. There's another matter that's referred to throughout and cut off and bitten off, which we don't hear explicated, but the team left in enough like red flags. It's an entire, you know, colour trooping march of red flags um, <laughs> about another matter which is they're never explained. And right. Dr. Phil, which I know, Murray, you'll talk about in the further episodes, on the Dr. Phil uh, episode even there's a reference that gets shut down. So obviously there's an accusation that we are not allowed to hear about, but plenty of content makers are wanting us to know. So I thought that was very interesting because both this property and Dr. Phil does it. Yeah. And so for the rest of episode one and episode two, uh, the Barnetts and Michael are making the case of very strange happenings um, that the reason why they think Natalia uh, was lying to them um, first and foremost, which was they kept harping on it. But they said that they found that she had pubic hair um, when they when they they got her. They they talk about her body seemed a little bit more mature, you, you know, and it cannot be overstated enough. But Natalia Grace had had a um, a, a dwarfism uh, like disease. I I can say the the right word for it, but I'm not going to because I feel like I will trip all over it. <laughs> like I can say it, but then I'm going to try and say it and then, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to tumble out of my face. But it's it's a skeletal disorder that causes the dwarfism. And a lot of people that I looked into, a lot of people don't realize like skeletal disorders, it's a skeletal disorder. So your soft tissue and everything still um, still develops normally. So it, it's perfectly normal and reasonable for little people to still have the, you know, the breast of an average size woman, the penis of an average size man, because no, more often than not, their, their disease does not affect their, their, con, con, um, see, there it is. Their illness does not affect the, like the soft tissue portions. And, but the, the thing is, because they're smaller, it looks a little bit more pronounced, you know what I'm saying? So I, some of this physical stuff I had a lot of issues with because I feel like they were putting the parameters on somebody who does not suffer from the same illness onto Natalia. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't take the same parameters that a person that has not, that does not have that chronic illness, that congenital illness and try and one-to-one it. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that just doesn't on top of all kids and all bodies develop differently. Um, So you know, them saying that, oh, she had pubic hair or she might have had her Menzies and she was only supposed to be six or seven or eight. That doesn't make sense. Newsflash, there are kids out there right now who are having Menzies earlier and earlier. It's actually an epidemic right now. They're trying to figure out why uh, menstrual periods are coming on sooner for girls. Um, I it's know that hormones in me. Ah. <laughs> exactly. And this is this is proven to be happening. So stuff like that, to me, I'm like, Y'all are trying to be doctors and not trying to be doctors. But uh, yes, SDB. Well, this is one this is one pretty major objection that I have with the build of this is that there were a number of times, especially in the first um, two or maybe three episodes where they're like, um, we got her aged up legally, according to mostly the testimony of doctors and also some just weird, like new math from the judge. But anyway, yeah. Um, and then they refer to these doctors and these specialists and these therapists that they brought Natalia to. But 
nobody is ever on camera. No, nope. it's just like um, Beth Karras, who would go to the opening of an envelope if it's a true oh, crime show. Like you'd hear her do, coming a block away. Like, do you do you miss her? <laughs> Turn to the Reels channel. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Never do that. She will be on there somewhere. I like her. She's like the Selwyn Rob of Investigation Discovery, but she like it's her translating stuff and like she has an opinion and she sort of refracts everything through that even though she's a she's an attorney not a doctor mm-hmm. yeah i really felt like a lot of these questions could have been if not resolved then at least put in better context by just by, have yes some physician or researcher who knows yes. about skeletal conditions mm-hmm. and um the various uh varieties of dwarfism and what mm-hmm. you can and can't expect exactly. from secondary sexual characteristic development to be like is it um customary for a seven-year-old with dwarfism to have pubes no is it possible sure is here's but why michael googled it sarah michael googled it <laughs> well you know with respect for everyone who does their own research i would like to hear from someone who went to a medical school that is mm-hmm. you know not in grenada exactly. no offense grenada but this really felt like a sort of we're deliberately not finding independent medical experts to address this so that we can continue taffy pulling the suspense but then it's never resolved either way and since natalia is not participating at least in this part of it there and there were a couple of other examples like that which we may or may not get into later where Mm -hmm. i felt a little bit used by the manipulation that it was just like you could have just ended this episode after 12 minutes by calling at Johns Hopkins main number and being like, do you have anyone over there who knows about this? Great. I'll hold. And yes. right. uh, like, I shouldn't have to be like Michael and second screen it, like just mm. pick an they, expert and tell me what's up. But they briefly, but more than once refer to the fact that the papers that went to the court for the reaging, the only test, the only medical testimony was from her GP. Yeah, which you know, presumably not an expert in dysplasia. Yeah, and okay. also not an OBGYN. So not an OBGYN. So doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. And so it, which you know, I have some questions about those judges who let the reaging happen, but um also just sorry, especially the particular age. I mean, it was interesting and I think uh this is where our uh, our <laughs> very loud legal expert kind of made a very good point, which was the reason she was reaged to 22 was to make her 18 four years ago. And this becomes important later mm-hmm. with the abandonment. Yeah. yeah. Which, okay. So it's like so much to like try and wrap our oh, heads around God, really because is. let's just talk about real quickly, the electric fence. Oh, um, let's talk about the electric fence. They went to a creamery so for good. one of the kids' birthdays. And the story being told by the Barnetts is that they were, they knew they had to sign this waiver for electric fence. They were walking this trail. And then all of a sudden, when they're within 10 to 20 feet of the electric fence, Natalia all, all of a sudden feels tired and, and needs to rest in front of the electric fence. The boys and Michael go on, but Christine stays back. And then he says in his 2019 interview that um, Natalia tried to uh, basically 
throw Christine into the uh, electric fence to hurt and hurt her because Natalia is has guns like Schwarzenegger. She's she's strong, while his wife Christine is frail because she has lupus. And this is one of those times where I'm so glad that a docu- uh, documentary crew has an interview from 2019 and 2022. Sarah knows I'm a sucker for documentaries that go on for multiple years and use <laughs> the footage to contradict other mm-hmm. people's uh, receipts. Yes, the us. receipts. When they pull the laptops out and show one person, another person's interview, that is like, that is that is everything to me. <laughs> oh my god! And we got that here in this creamery scene. So, Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, what were your thoughts on the creamery scene, the before and the after, and just all oh, the conflicting this results? Was, listen, I could have just had a documentary about the electric fence. First <laughs> of all, electric fence won't kill you because if you have cows, you don't want them to be dead. Electric <laughs> fences are <laughs> to repel people uh-huh. uh, and cows from going. Uh, over the fence which that yeah it's not the do. running man like it's it not it's not going to kill anyone man. it's not going to kill anyone it's going to be unpleasant it but it's it's not jurassic park where we're <laughs> hanging on that fence right mm-hmm. and what was just brilliant when we spoke to christopher and mark who work at the creamery oh, who lovely. find themselves quite startled to be interviewed but they're quite happy to be interviewed mm-hmm. uh What's that the fence wasn't oh. on which is just like brilliant. And it's the button at the end, which they save. So uh, so there's the matter of did Natalia Grace wrestle Christine towards mm-hmm. the electric fence at all? Like you don't want someone throwing you into an I don't want to go into my I have been mm-hmm. my uncle has a farm, had a farm, it's no longer with us. Um, and you know, we've been stung by the electric fence. It's extremely unpleasant. But unless you have a heart problem, presumably, I don't know how works with lupus but I thought this was a brilliant encapsulation because we get the story in this episode of Michael and the boys seeing it and running back and hearing mm-hmm. hearing uh, Natalia Gray scream I'm going to kill you you whatever it might be that Michael very carefully asks if he's allowed to say and then when we return to the events in 2022 he was miles away and heard the ambulance before he knew anything was wrong Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, as you say, Murray, chef's kiss. Mm, Is it yeah. me, electric fence? Yes, no. Creamery? Do you want to mm-hmm. go? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that really was like, talk about a random um, talking head interview. Like the, the weirdest I weaver you ever got signed as a producer. Well, it's those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was also really like when you got the distinct feeling that every time Michael changed his story, regardless yes. of the rationale or which time he was telling the truth that you can hear just off screen, the unmistakable whooshing sound of someone making the jerk off motion with their hands. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like they know what he is, but they also know he's fascinating television and that he's like repellent, like Sarah said, but also perfect for this. Yeah. Um, I I also <laughs> it was it, I I also since I, I watched some of the other properties and stuff like that, to me what I noticed was Michael's story with the creamery, with the stuff about her dropping the boys' toys in traffic, a lot of these horror stories that he talks about Natalia in, in 
when he was being interviewed in 2019 before his um, charges were brought up against him. The the stories never changed. You know, when when it was when it was in that bubble, it was multiple interviews. The stories never changed. And to me, we we all I think we've been in true crime here long enough that it's like those are normally the lies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people yes, lie, yes. their mm-hmm. stories do not waver, they do not change, they have the same intonation. So then when we get to, to the 2022 interview, and now all of a sudden it's the truth is revealed. Like even the caretaker said he wasn't there when they got there. You know what I'm saying? So we know what the truth is now. We know that the 2022 interview, at least uh, when it comes to the creamery incident, that is the truth. Because he says, I never saw Christine by the time I got down there. Her and Natalia had been taken away. And that is confirmed by the, the criminal workers. So, it, And we're to about me, to find out what happened between those two dates. They got divorced and it's all Christine's fault. Ex- Spoiler. Exactly. Spoiler. So he I, calls I, her evil and she has earned every letter. Every letter. Yeah. Woo. And and to me, stuff like, uh, you know, once I start really thinking back, they're like, oh, why didn't Natalia know Ukrainian? Why? How could she not tell us? where she's been if she's really sick at the time that you know they're thinking that she's six how is she supposed to know any of this stuff and and oh, and developmentally yeah. delayed because of being yes. in an orphanage an orphan this a group home. well-known yes. group so homes. many things yeah yeah the creamery was just it was just one of those those things that was like you have to highlight because it is the crux of you seeing that that there is just something not right with with Michael Barnett and and the situation. Again, they go on to say that she she's having knives under her bed. Michael says she just tells him all the time that she's going to kill them. And it's just like you you really start to go back and look that you're you're seeing that the narrative is literally just being painted by him. And then it it's accentuated with uh, videos of Christine. And him, you know, as we get into the episode three, it's like them putting a, a camera in her face and be like, Natalia, did you lie to us? And her just sitting there like a kid would and be like, yes. You know, as somebody who has a four year old, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I can't get a straight answer out of him to save my life. And so, but if I told him what to say, you bet your bottom dollar, he'll say it. So it, it was just so frustrating to see and if you are getting all these moments where you're you're oh natalia did you do this to bother your your little brother yes yes i did you know you can tell she's she's scared she's looking to them to say the right answer how come you didn't get why, why didn't you pull your phone out when they were with the knives situation how come yeah. you didn't pull the phone out for the poison situation it felt and like uh-huh. I, I mean this is another episode another example of like you're on this road at speed and all these exits yeah. are going by that's like well why didn't you take her to a doctor immediately when uh, you got yeah. home instead of dicking around at disney world like no offense disney world people mm-hmm. but it's like oof uh like go go to where you live and get her checked out like she'll need a pediatrician She's hiding knives under the bed. And then like, eventually he mentions a therapist, but it's a while after that. And before the knives, she's like doing this crazy, like she's pooping on her hand and trying to smear it on her. So he said brothers. Yeah. Yeah, Uh Like, uh okay, this is the point at which you get a phalanx of pediatricians, bring Uh her to an emergency room and ask them like what kind of acting out is this and what do we do but none exactly. of that is mentioned and his whole 
take on how he feels about her is like, it's so weird and remote. Like, I just don't understand even after everything, why he's so still um, inflamed by, I mean, I do by Mm -hmm. the the ex-wife, but then his whole, even when his lawyers are like, you kind of have to have some risk, like relatable response to the mention oh, is that of when he's this- practicing his facial expressions. Oh God. I mean, not again, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but um, when they're sort of listing all the super outre ways in which she's acting out mm-hmm. and that she put whatever pine salt in Christine's coffee mm-hmm. um, and that's never returned too also because it's kind of like in the second set of episodes the way he talks about christine it's like well there's no shortage of people who would probably have done that starting with you the least suspect like what really was going on here so that was a little bit of a frustration i think as you go along in the um as you go along in the series, it becomes clear that like sometimes they didn't involve professionals because they didn't want to. Yeah. And get he, in actually, he actually admits that they went through several therapists before one gave them the diagnosis that they wanted, that she was a sociopath. I yeah. think that's the, the problem here too. I think they had an idea of, especially, I mean, if we're to believe Michael, Christine had an idea that Natalia was an evil person who was uh, masquerading as somebody else and everything that they did informed on that opinion. And so what, like we said uh, in like episode three and stuff, she gets, she gets uh, re aged. Yes. She gets re aged and she gets sent to the neighbors before we get into um, what I think is like the next set of, of, circumstances and the neighbors i feel like we should kind of talk about um we should kind of talk about the her behavior in the mental institution after the creamery incident she sent to a mental institution we actually get the voices of several employees on on Mm -hmm. tape they they're not on camera because it's kind of like that that patient privilege they don't want to lose their jobs um but they're talking about her behavior in the mental institution and i believed everything about this but i don't think it's as it's sinister i think it unfortunately it shows a a history of uh, child sexual abuse absolutely Mm -hmm. 100 mari yeah, in the um, absolutely in in the the mental institution, we had several of the employees talk about how they also discovered the pubic hair. So we do have confirmation of that, and so they moved her from the child ward to the adult ward. Unfortunately, in mental mental institutions here in America, there are not there are not. I'm I'm mad, but there's not se- separated. Um, they're not separated by gender or sex. Like everybody is in there together. And Natalia was in there with, uh, with other men. And she reverted to, like they said, saying, having sexual talk, saying inappropriate things. And to me, this again, smack dad felt of um, like, I bet you she reverted to what she saw in the group home. She was in a group home in Ukraine for the first four years, four and a half years of her life. And we all know that group home settings anywhere are not very well monitored. We don't, we can't say anything to another country half a half world away, but I, I really felt for her in this situation because I don't think anybody was seeing like, 
all of the cries for help. You know what I'm saying? Well, well but they stopped short of saying, and mm-hmm. like these were not the only um, people Instances. on the registry, yeah, who were referred to. But what they stopped short of saying was like, "This is a state-run hospital, so you do have, uh, you know, a number of alleged sex offenders and mm-hmm. worse in there who are like these are violent predators, a lot of them, and yeah, like." Even if she is like, this is sort of where the murkiness was frustrating that I was like, Mm -hmm. I would like an entire episode just on the situation that like led her to be committed to this hospital, a state run hospital. Like how much do you have to hate this kid? Mm -hmm. But then like, if she really is a grifter, I think that's the point at which like, if if that didn't break her, don't you have to reconsider? Like at this point, mm-hmm. at this point, if it's a grift, would you be like, okay, fine. <laughs> right. You, you got me. Yeah, you got me. Yeah. Get my shit and get me an Uber. I can't. Yeah. With, the the like, thing is, John if she's Hinkley's running around in here, but if that did she's not a occur. child, she is, she is acting out on what she's seen before, either mm-hmm. at the group home or perhaps somewhere a bit closer to home as is mm-hmm. indicate I'm not going to say because but I think the documentary and the Dr. Phil not a doctor uh, episode <laughs> glance sideways at uh, abuse closer to home let's put it yeah. that way let's so if she's way, a yeah. child she is demonstrating this is the behavior that will get me protection get me what I want yep. this is mm-hmm. how I'm supposed to behave if she is 19, she is also going to where the protection is. Because mm-hmm. if you don't want 20 sex offenders sniffing around you, you know, many a many a person in jail has come up with this maths. Yeah. You get one and mm-hmm. they'll protect you. Now that mm-hmm. is a still a very bad situation. Mm-hmm. But her behavior being spoken of as if she is the is is the sexual predator as if she is the inappropriate one and nothing to do with what either a child or a youngish teenager uh, might be doing acting in that way it just it was appalling yeah and, and they did break here because they were speaking about a patient yeah without yeah. their permission well and so, they also um like there's no no one comes on camera to talk about this either that it's like. You know, I couldn't help thinking like, where is um, where is the surviving R. Kelly series team to -hmm. get someone on camera to be like, not every response to trauma and an attempt retrospectively to control a situation by seeming to be, quote, the aggressor or whatever, however, they kept shaming her in this like this is a relatively common response to sexualizing a child who is a ward of the state. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, that's, she's going to take control of the, try to take control of the narrative, even though it might look really off (laughs) to us. Um, Yeah. But there's no commentary about that at all. And here again, this is the other big place where I really felt like this sequence I understand why they didn't bring the context in because they wanted to maintain the suspense, but I still feel like that was not playing entirely fair with, um, with the viewer and also with this 
I mean, this is a child. So mm-hmm. like all the things that we don't know, um, let them tell their story more effectively. And I'm not like, I, I've got no kick with that, but I did feel like this was a little bit cynical and irresponsible to not put in context at that time in the story and sort of wait until kind of the back end of it and have these like Mm -hmm. (laughs) randos in their garages being like so yeah such and so tried to pimper and it's like oh my god where Mm -hmm. what are you yeah I, I I agree with that. I think they they you they they saved that for the episodes five and six because episodes five and six it was like they reverted. It, it it was like with the new interviews with Michael from 2022 and right before his his um court date, he he they basically let him go re back over everything that happened mm-hmm. and then they started to unravel like like oh this really could have been a, a lie and I I think it was. Like you said, it was was more for entertainment purposes. It's like most of the talking heads, all of the talking heads were people who were actually involved in the story. And it, it, like you said, the only, there was no outside talking heads. It felt like there was no doctors to put this into perspective. There was no other lawyers to put this in perspective. It was just that one lady. She, I think she was the only person who was not directly involved in this case. So Right. I'm assuming they were thinking they wanted to let the case unfurl on it. Like you said, to let them just like, what do you think here? That's what this documentary is, right? It's like, here's some evidence. What do you think? What do you, is she an orphan? Is she, you know what I'm saying? They, they chose that route as opposed to like an, an, a, a formed, uh, an informed, like, okay, here's some experts. This is, they've looked at the stuff. This is what they think, you know? And yeah. Like you said, it, it it either works or it doesn't for you, depending on how you feel about this documentary. Um, episode four, we get Natalia is in that the the first house, the first house, and we get to hear from her neighbors. One of the neighbors, like straight up, said one guy in the neighborhood, Natalia, would go to her, his house and stay there for hours after propositioning him. And it was it was like a lot of like tongue and cheek stuff that was just so weird. I, we don't. We're not here to talk about why they didn't talk about the child sex abuse. I I do not know. But I thought this part that the neighbor thing was I thought it was interesting because we hear the perspectives of people who, you know, they're concerned for her, but then they're also feel like they're terrorized by her. And I feel like all of the recreate these is this is probably where the recreations were at their most abysmal in a sense because they were <laughs> they were really trying to make it like this is not the movie orphan you know what i'm saying they it was yeah. like they were trying to make it seem like more sinister than it was when honestly if i'm being honest i, I do feel that she was a child at that at that point and she was acting as a child would who was dropped in a, a house by herself she was just looking for any type of help in the neighbor she did she doesn't know boundaries kids do not know boundaries yeah. If I yes. let my son outside right now, he would go, <laughs> he would literally go to the next door neighbors and and knock on their door. May you know I have a sandwich, please? I yeah. mean, they're terrorized by her uh, talking and not being able to get rid of her by her odor, which many of them mentioned. She wears the same clothes. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is like a grifter is much cleverer than this. If she's a grifter, she's not uh, alienating the entire neighborhood. This is a desperate child. 
or even if she's 22, this is a desperate person unable to take care even of her basic needs so they called themselves terrorized i think that's a bit of a bit of a a a back interpretation what they were was they did have to make sure that they looked out the window first before they left the front door to get to their car because she would she was impossible to get rid of once she started talking to her they did have to start locking their their doors only because she would walk in stink up the place uh, and eat food out of their fridge without being without asking for permission these are the actions either of a child or or a desperate young woman even mm-hmm. 22 if you've had this kind of life and so i kept switching backwards and forwards i know what i think but i kept thinking if she is older she still needs help she can't exactly. she can't reach yeah. the washing machine she can't dress and undress uh, so clearly well. Like the ableism, like in this mm-hmm. documentary, like you cannot adopt someone with a, a physical disability and then try to treat them like they don't have it. That's what I f- I really feel like the Barnett's did this whole time. Like, yes, we want to. Yes, we want to treat uh, disabled people equally, equally. But there's a difference between like equality and equity. Like you have to treat them in a way that, that they get an equal standing, which means like she probably they, they talked about her leg surgeries. Um, every time we saw Natalia in all of their home videos, she never had anything to support her. They, they said that she barely had the right shoes for for what she needed by the time natalia gets away from the barnettes and meets the mans she has canes they have scooters for her they have walkers for her because she needs help you know what i'm saying like i cannot believe that they stuck her in that second house on the second floor they said what 16 steps and like i even if she is not a child, she is still a person with a disability. And nowhere did it look like in any of the footage that we saw or anything did it seem like they accommodated for her disability. And I just, I just don't understand. I, I really want to read the statute of why they had to find her not uh, find find Michael not guilty in, in episode six. We we do talk to the jur uh, the jury person the jury person, but she didn't say like what in the the law meant they had to say not guilty unless I missed it, right? Yeah, they. I mean, no, uh, they were not allowed to know that she might be a child. That's right. That was the one thing that that Jane Parker, the jury for person, emphasised. But no, uh, as far as I heard, unless I unless I fell asleep for a microsecond, yeah, I didn't hear why uh, yeah. legally they felt unable to find him guilty. Sarah, right. did you? Uh, no, it was something about the jury instruction, which like, and again, yeah. I too have mm-hmm. been in that situation where it was like, mm, okay. I mean, it was a civil case involving podiatry. It was uh, mm-hmm. the most thrilling two weeks of my life. <laughs> Just kidding. When you got arrested for marijuana possession, this is what, this is the kind of jury that you get put on is not that, but it was Mine like, was armed robbery. So it was <laughs> oh, pretty heavy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we wanted to find for the plaintiff, but we could only find like on one count because, you know, the like right. evidence had not been filed correctly. Her attorneys were not all that good at their jobs. And, you know, this is how it goes. Like we really felt for her, but we couldn't. That's give her why the, couldn't give her the justice she felt she wanted from from this uh, foot doctor. But anyway, uh, yeah. this. Like that, that was an oversight, I think. Um, sort of explaining um 
like explaining, even if they did think that she was an adult, like you're just going to sort of drop her off and hope she never talks to anyone or calls the cops. So like, if you're that confident that you have her manipulated to this degree, you do think she's a kid on some level. Like, Uh yeah, I mean, there were, there were a lot of frustrating gaps in this. And some of it I think is just like, there were certain case figures that were not going to talk to them. So they had to content themselves with um, like throwing Michael's version back in his face at times. Do I understand why we had to see every single sexed picture that Christine ever sent anybody? (laughs) No, I don't. Like she does not sound like a fun hang. Don't get me wrong. Uh But was it necessary to slut shame her to this degree? I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that they d- sort of trash him on this story is really is really amazing. Like I keep, I just keep thinking about um, like the fact that I am annoyed by certain gaps in it means that it did it, its job, or at least the yeah. part of its job really well. So yeah. I I agree. So um some further properties like we said I listened to my favorite murder. Like I said what they did was they took the Daily Mail Christine Barnett did a Daily Mail interview mm. exclusive interview and they reported what she wrote what she said which that should give you a clue right there. Christine gave an exclusive interview to the Daily Fail. I mean the Daily yeah. Mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the yeah. least, like I, I don't know, reputable. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and so, but I, I will uh, uh, give Karen and Georgia. Uh, uh, Karen was the one who read it. She was doubting it while she she was like, okay, remember this is just from Christine's point of view, and 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 all of that, you know. Um, so I, I I listened to that because I felt like I I got Christine's portion here. I feel like this property was Michael. It was. Come on now, he was the main character. He mm-hmm. he, he knew it definitely. Mm. My favorite murder gave us what Christine said in her interviews, and then we watched the Doctor Phil property. So, Sarah, you want to talk about a rare W for Doctor Phil? <laughs> yes, uh, Doctor Phil, not a doctor, not a doctor. Uh, speaks speaks to <laughs> Natalia and her. I don't even know if you can call them adoptive parents, but the two people who took her in, who just seem fairly amazing. They seemed amazing in this property. And the I was particularly impressed with they sat back and let her tell her story. Uh-huh. I was already thinking, she's a child. Six, yeah. eight, eleven, whatever the actual age, this is this is a child. Uh-huh. And one of the very interesting things about watching the Dr. Phil Not a Doctor episode is she's clearly in her face now a young woman wouldn't you say yeah. and you go oh yes. okay uh so it's not that her dwarfism as a 22 year old woman gave her a fairly childish face we can see a maturity in her face uh mm. also it's natalia's story and and mm-hmm. if i say it's rehearsed that is not to do her down at all because she has had an appalling life again mm-hmm. whether she's 6 or 22 this is all just completely ghastly and there is a moment where and this is one of the little drips that I'm talking about where they don't deny the pubic hair but 
Mrs. Mann says that Natalia still hasn't menstruated at Mm -hmm. what they think is 19. She thinks she's 19. She's not absolutely sure. Sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is, again, not surprising due to the deprivations that she's had. But she says there was a tampon, there was Mm -hmm. spotting, but perhaps it was, and her parents both go, no, 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 Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. So... I think there's something more to be said. I will say, not at all connected to that, Michael's violence is not shied away from by the makers of this show. Yeah. There's a point where he's swinging a bat very violently and then he throws it and then he ostentatiously apologises for throwing it. There's a scene where he gets to his knees and beats the ground and then cries. And when they give him a laptop so that he can see something that's been said, he asks how many pieces they want the laptop back in, like Uh how he feels. That whooshing sound you hear is me making the jerk-off motion. (laughs) He he really wants everybody to think that he will fuck you up. uh Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh Yeah, so... uh, um, the, 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 the Dr. Phil, not a doctor episode is very much worth what, if you watched this, yeah, you've got another 39 minutes to watch that episode. And with everything that's in your head from this, I think you will find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm now, I, I won't say eagerly awaiting, but I will be very intrigued to see this team's uh, Natalia Grace exclusive Same. documentary when it comes. And I would not yeah. have thought that before I started watching this, but at the Same. end of it, it's like, okay, like, to, Let's what else? Bring it on. Yeah. Else? <laughs> Who else yeah. did you get to talk? And also, yes. just give Freddie Gill his own, like, talk about a country oh, song. He's like a whole album, that guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's get to our ratings. Again, we didn't, we didn't even scratch the surface. There's so much we want to talk <laughs> no, about. We really didn't. So, um, you know, reach out to us. We'll give you our plugs at the end. Tell us what you thought about it. You know, write it in the, in the Facebook group, all of that. There's so much, so much we can get to, but we're going to go to our ratings now. Um, so SDB, how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate the curious case of Natalia Grace out of a possible five? Out of a possible five. Okay. You've heard my rationale for why it's um, extremely watchable, but not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in in addition to that, like it is very watchable. Um, there is going to be more of it. It's mm-hmm. a great discussion generator. And I think it's a discussion generator, not just because the case of the case at the center of it, but because the build um, and the way it's made is a little frustrating, but also it opens up a lot of conversations about the way these properties are made, which I think is not irrelevant. That And that in turn opens up a whole lot of other conversations about who gets to talk and how are we influenced by what we are shown or not shown or like who leading off a documentary um, has the benefit of our doubt and then how does storytelling change that or um, invert it? And what does that say about true crime narrative? I have, I highly doubt that any of that was intentional on the part of this team, Mm -hmm. but they should take the W because um, I love thinking about that stuff. So 
to my complete surprise for an investigation <laughs> discovery product that frequently I was scribbling notes like, do you want to tell us X, Y, Z? Four and a half. <gasps> yeah. I'm genuinely shocked. So yeah. am I. That <laughs> what are you guys doing to me? Michael in court reaction. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, wow. I'd like, yeah. I must have quit. What can I say? It's <laughs> like it really got me thinking. I was super excited for this shit. discussion. You must have quit. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, four and a half. And I, I may regret it, but I'm going to stand <laughs> by it. Sarah, how many magnifying glasses are you going to read? Uh, I'm just—I'm stunned, Mary. I'm stunned, <laughs> shocked, and saddened. I know. <laughs> well, excited, like th- thrilled. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know where to go with this because, like Sarah, I—it's not good, but it is so watchable, and I recommend that you, dear listeners, watch it if you haven't already watched it. In fact, you should have already watched it before we talk. Yes, Mario's right. I'm going to give it a three. A three, it deserves a two potentially for how it's made. But how can I give it a two when I'm saying, watch it, it's fascinating. So I'm going to say three, but I could have, now that you've said four and a half, I could have joined you, but I'm going to stick to my guns and say three, but watch it. Mari, what about you? Well, I'm the outlier. I'm going to give it a five. I <gasps> honestly thought, I thought it was wow. extremely wonderful. I wow. get both of your concerns. I truly do. But something about these type of documentaries that kind of just let the case unfold in a sense. Again, it was manipulated and they 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 chose the the guys of 2019 michael i think that was the perfect vehicle i think that's that's where it suckers me in yeah 2019 michael interview then the 2022 michael interview using those two interview interviews as a vehicle to drive the narrative of this story and then the plot the plot twist and all of that i think that storyboarding in itself the the thought was great the execution probably a little sloppy i agree it's a little sloppy but i i think that it it's way better than like it 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 feels like they worked with what they had and they used it effectively yeah um you know and i i really do think that it it's so watch it's so watchable like i said i i even like watching it on the replay i have every there's been at least four or five people in the last few days is like oh what should i watch i'm like the curious case of natalia Mm. and i've been having phone conversations like text messaging with so many people about it 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 really does just spark a lot of discussion Mm -hmm. and for me it it fails in a lot of like answers but i think i know the answer to be quite honest which is like (laughs) i think she was a child i don't care what anybody says i think she was a child and i think the barnett's you manipulated the 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 legal system in a way that they tried to get rid of her and i i just truly thought that this 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 property shed a little bit of light because when i went back and i listened to stuff that was put out in 2019 it was just their side you know what i'm saying it was just the barnett side it was a lot of people just 
jumping on that headline and being like, yeah, it's so easy to point this, this woman out and say, or this girl out and say, she's the orphan. She's the real life orphan. And even though it, it doesn't go far enough. And I'm pretty sure they're rectifying that by doing the Natalia speaks. Mm -hmm. I feel like they were able to kind of change people's minds about you thinking, you know, the case and you really don't, you know what I'm saying? I, I came into this, this thinking, okay, well, so I, I, I don't know if I necessarily fully 100% believe that she was a grown person. Um, but I definitely left it like, no, I, I don't believe it. Especially since they like Sarah pointed out, they said, oh, she hasn't grown in four years. I'm like, I'm looking at the pictures here. We see the picture of her when they first got her. We see the picture of her. We see the video of her when she's in the um the house by herself. She clearly looks like she's aged. Like, I'm, I'm like, I know I'm not crazy. I'm my own eyes are telling me it's looking like she's grown up. <laughs> in these pictures but they arbitrarily said she didn't and were able to slap this age on her it's it was just ridiculous to me so i'm sorry that's that's what i i'm doing i'm giving it a five i think for all the for, for all the reasons i mentioned and because we all know I, i'm the paula abdul so uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what who does that make me though Ouch. Mm. Simon, Randy. I was like, I, maybe the Randy. Maybe oh, is Sarah the I Simon. Mean, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. It's yeah. a four point five for me, dog. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure if I can hang with either of those. Maybe we need to go like Latter Day American Idol with like Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> oh Harry. Yeah, I love. I love when when SDB joins. We always have such like just wide range of race i feel like every time like between my two and y'all five it's like, you know what i'm saying like it's so funny i love it um uh, scb do you have anything to recommend to the listeners um i do a friend and colleague of mine maureen ryan just wrote a book called burn it down it was out uh, <gasps> yes. as we're recording this a few days ago um, it is about uh, power and complicity in Hollywood writers' rooms. And um, if you felt mm. like um, some shit was going haywire in a kind of racist, sexist way on, say, Lost or Sleepy Hollow or Saturday Night Live, uh, you were not taking crazy pills. I had the pleasure of uh, being a first reader on this book. It made me furious, but she actually has a lot of solutions. It is a brilliant book. A lot of people are talking about it on your timeline. Uh -huh. You should read it and you can buy it at my bookshop, Exhibit B Books. And you have a discount code for listening to this fine podcast. That's XCS15. Enter it at checkout. They'll link it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> sure will. We sure will. Sarah, what do you have to recommend to our listeners? I have a quick announcement first. We've had a number of people ask us if we're going to cover shiny, happy people. Oh, yeah. Uh, our sister podcast, Mess Magnets, uh, Kirsten and Sasha over there have covered it. That episode uh, has already dropped if you want to go and find that and listen to them rave about it uh, that's mm -hmm. where you will find your shiny happy people coverage on rhip Mari and i are both watching it and we may have some things to say about it in episodes to come so i want to talk about a podcast a new podcast from new hampshire public radio it's called the 13th step and it's about abuses in the recovery industry Yes, that sounds heavy. Yes, it is heavy, but it's so well made. Uh, you may know previous NHPR podcasts like Bear Brook 
and Outside In. I cannot recommend that podcast enough. At Crime Scene, we are eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP. That's at Crime S-E-E-N R-H-A-P. Or you can send us an email to Crime Scene R-H-A-P at gmail.com. Definitely send us uh, emails about your thoughts on this wild documentary. Definitely. We're on TikTok at crime.scene and Instagram and Facebook at Crime Scene Podcast. And please remember to subscribe to our dedicated feed, robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. SDB, what do you have going on and where can the people find you? Well, uh, my writing partner, Eve Beatty, and I did talk about this uh, fine program on our true crime review newsletter. That is Best Evidence, and you can find that at bestevidence.fyi. Some things are behind a paywall, but most things aren't. So come Mm -hmm. by and join us. And uh, we are also on Instagram at Best Evidence, FYI. And uh, the True Crime Bookshop, like I said, Exhibit B Books is at Exhibit B Books everywhere. So, yeah, come on by and use that discount on all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Sarah, what have you uh, got going on and where can the people find you? The people can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine. Over on Post Show Recaps, Sasha Kirsten, the mess magnets, Geneva and myself have reassembled to cover Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. We've just dropped our finale coverage, so we are done with that. But please go and have a listen. I was on the Crime Writers on Book Club talking about the book Rogues by Patrick Bradley. Oh, fun. Yeah. Well, very interesting. It was a conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that was with uh, Toby Ball and Leah Satilli. So, oh, wow. Uh, it's very much worth listening. Yes. I'm jealous of me that I got to do <laughs> to her. Literally. No. It's always uh, a fun and then, group. Good for you. Oh, so good. And then I talked. All Things Yellow Jacket Season 2 with Kimberly and Katie from A Date with Dateline on their YouTube channel, which you should follow. It's called A Date with K and K. So check out all of that. Uh, what about you, Murray? Where can the people find you? All right. The Wrestling Wrap Up is back um, at on Rob has a po- Yeah, Rob has, Rob has a podcast. So you can go to robhasawebsite.com slash wrestling feed. And we just dropped a special Pride Month episode about wrestling and wrestlers and L- LGBTQ representation in wrestling. It was a great panel discussion with us and three other panelists. So definitely go check that out. And then we'll be back next week with our regular wrestling coverage. Sarah, what are we covering next week next time on crime scene we are covering the reptile cult murder with returning guest Chappelle. so you can watch that on discovery <laughs> plus and send us your comments and questions i guess we're staying in bonkers town mary uh clearly uh clearly <laughs> i know <laughs> never <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Sarah D. Bunting for joining us, Will from America for the theme music, and the whole RJP team behind the scenes. Until next time, case, case closed. closed. <laughs> <laughs>